All right, so what will heaven be like? What can we expect in the life to come? That's what we're going to try to tackle together today. If you have not been with us this month for whatever reason, I encourage you to go back and catch up. Uh, we started this series with kind of a 30,000 foot view of what does scripture tell us about the, the scope of heaven and hell. Last week, Pastor Hunter uh, led us and talked about what happens in that moment when we die. And he encouraged us with the promise of Scripture that in that moment we are immediately in the presence of Christ for those of us who have put our faith and our trust in Jesus Christ for salvation. Today I want to talk about what does it look like when we step into eternal life with God. Next week, uh, our uh, director of family ministry, uh, pastor of families, is going to lead us in talking about uh, what does the new heaven and new earth talk about in Scripture, and then we're going to wrap up with a Q&A. So keep those questions coming in. Uh, love getting to read those and, and begin to study on those and excited about uh, being able to answer those questions that you send in to us on October 30th, which is also a baptism Sunday, so it's going to be a great Sunday. But what can we expect in this eternal life in heaven with God. As I reflected on this really over the past several months, uh, it has really hit me how little we really know or how much we allow ourselves to know from scripture about this promise of heaven. And I think one of the most dangerous things that happens to us when we're not aware of the promises of heaven is that we become fearful of death. And not just the process of death, but we become fearful of what happens after death. And even for us as Christians, as Jesus followers, we're, we don't really have a good handle on the promise of heaven. And I know that because we say things like this, well, I want to go to heaven, but not yet. Friends, if we knew the promise of heaven, we couldn't wait to experience what God has for us. And so I want us to really see the promises of Scripture. We, I don't want us to say things like, well, I can't go to heaven yet because I haven't gone to Europe, or I can't go to heaven yet because I haven't gotten married. I can't go to heaven yet because I haven't graduated from college. No, friends, heaven is going to be so much greater than anything we could experience in this life. Now, we do have some glimpses of God's blessings, some incredible things that are awe-inspiring, that are beautiful, that stretch the imagination. Uh, I thought about uh, some of those things that really get our minds thinking about the greatness of God and what he does. I thought about one of the things that we have is just the beauty of the galaxies. If you look through uh, those technological devices that we have that are, seem to be advancing by the minute, uh, you get some incredible views of this grand creation that God made. I mean, and if we were to pull back from that, we would see that that galaxy is just a tiny little speck among hundreds and thousands of galaxies in the universe. But if we were to pull it down uh, closer to home, uh, you don't have to look out into space. You can just look around us. We got some incredible beauty in our world. I mean, mountains and rivers and valleys and forests and incredible beauty and in nature that God's created. But not just that, it's what God fills it with. I mean, these amazing animals that God has created. I mean, who in the world could think of elephants and tigers and giraffes and hippopotamus and, and all the amazing creatures? I mean, who in the world thought up a duckbill platypus? Like, that is unbelievably amazing. But 
not just that, but maybe the best of all for me is God has given us some incredible food to enjoy in this world. I don't know about you, but as soon as we turn the calendar from September to October, I start gearing up for Thanksgiving. I am ready for that feast. Now, now I bring all these up, not just because these are amazing gifts that God has given us, but because they're a picture of the greater gift to come and what God has for us in heaven. And so can we really stretch our imagination and, and hold on to the promises and not just you know, dream up, but look at the picture that God gives us about heaven and crave what God has for us for eternal life. Now, so let's start here. Let's talk about what can we expect in the immediate. So we started off this series and we picked up last week talking about what we're calling the intermediate heaven that we go into the presence of God in the very moment we die, that we are with Jesus. There's a couple of promises uh, that, that Jesus gives us. I go to prepare a place for you. He said to the man next to him on the cross, today you'll be with me in paradise. Paul picks up on those promises and reflects them. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And we have this promise that we are in the presence of God in heaven, in an intermediate heaven, but we know that there's more to come. So what can we expect in that intermediate heaven? Well, one thing we know from scripture is that it is a space that we will occupy. When you think about it, Jesus tells us that heaven is where the father is, but not only that, heaven is where he will be. Because when we die, where will we be? We will be with Christ when we put our faith in him. And what do we know about Jesus? He had a resurrected body. We look through the descriptions of the heavenly throne room in the book of Revelation. We see that it is a throne room. We see that there are people wearing clothes. We see that there is an altar. We see that it is a space that we will occupy in the presence of God. But not only that, we know that we will be clothed. We know that we will uh, not be naked. We know that we're not going to be just ghosts floating around, that there's some kind of space that we're going to occupy. And we're going to talk more about that in the Q&A. Send some wonderful questions in about what happens to our bodies. And we're going to do a deep dive on that on October 30th. So make sure you come back. Uh, we also know that we will be in the presence of God. To be absent from the body is to be present with Christ, that we will be with the saints who are worshiping God, who are asking questions of God, who are calling out to God. But not only that, we know that we're going to have voices. You have voices that will be doing that worshiping, that singing, that asking questions, that calling out to God. We know that we'll be in God's presence. We know that we'll be asking questions. We'll have voices. We'll be singing. We know that we're going to be aware of what happens on earth. Uh, scripture tells us in Hebrews 12 that there's a cloud of witnesses that are interceding and they're cheering us on. In the book of Revelation, we've got a group of martyrs who we find under the altar of God who ask God, how long, O Lord, till these things come to pass as they look at the things happening on earth? We're going to be aware of what's happening on earth while we're in this intermediate heaven. And most of all is we're going to have a complete satisfaction. You know, so much of the time uh, when we don't allow God to speak into us about what we're going to experience in heaven, we get this mindset that we're going to be leaving something behind that we don't want to leave behind. You know, well, I don't want to go to heaven if. Well, I, I promise you, you want to go to heaven. <laughs> not only do we not want to go to hell, but heaven is going to be so much greater than anything that you think you might be leaving behind. 
whether it's a, a job, an identity, a relationship, an experience, I promise you, you're going to have complete satisfaction and wholeness in the presence of God, in relationship with God, in relationship with others, without sin, without sickness, without sadness, completely and fully satisfied in what God has for us. That's what we can look forward to in the intermediate heaven. It's a space that we go to to be with Christ. We'll have voices, we'll sing, we'll ask questions. We'll be aware of what's happening, but we'll see it through the lens of God's purposes and his promise and his plan. And we're going to be living in complete, utter satisfaction, complete joy. And this is what God has for us. Now, as we read through these promises of heaven through scripture, there's one phrase that really appears over and over and over again from the Old Testament all the way through the New Testament. And it's the phrase, the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. I encourage you this week to just go filter, go, you know, look through the gospels and see how many times Jesus says the kingdom of heaven. I mean, just start in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5. And Jesus starts right there, his most famous sermon that's ever been preached. And what, how does he start? It says the kingdom of heaven is like. Or these are the things you'll experience. He goes, blessed are those who are mourned for you'll be comforted. Blessed are those who are peacemakers, you'll be children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for your, you know, blessed are the meek, they'll inherit the earth. And what is he saying after all these? He's talking about the kingdom of heaven. That this is what we are going to inherit. And then all the stories Jesus teaches about, the kingdom of heaven is like, the kingdom of heaven is like. Read through the Old Testament, it talks about over and over the kingdom or the kingdom of God. The coming kingdom that God will bring is like this. And what is he talking about? He's talking about life after this earth. Now, there's two perspectives. I'm just going to hit this briefly. Uh, I'd love to have more conversation with you, but I just want you to kind of have a quick scope about the two views about this kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. Now, one view, some scholars believe that one day Jesus is going to return from heaven, just like he ascended to heaven. He's going to return and he's immediately going to bring about what's called the new creation, what we're going to talk about next week. And immediately we're going to go from this heavenly presence, we'll come with Christ and there'll be a new earth and a new heaven. And that new heaven, it's not talking about a new throne room, it's talking about the skies and the galaxies that we, we experience today. There's going to be newness to all that. God's going to restore it and redeem it. And God's going to bring that immediately. That's one view. A second view is that Jesus is going to return and he's going to institute a thousand year kingdom a literal kingdom where he will rule. And scripture talks about a prince that David will return and he will be a prince over this thousand year reign, this kingdom on earth. And then after that thousand year kingdom, Jesus will initiate the new heavens and the new earth, the new creation. And within that view, you, you find some believe in a tribulation that there'll be a, a really horrible, difficult time for the world. Most believe that's a seven year period. And within that, you've got some believe that there'll be a rapture. And even those that some believe that it'll be before that tribulation, some believe it'll be in the middle of that tribulation and some believe it'll be after that tribulation. But here's the bottom line, is that for those of us who put our faith in Jesus Christ, our eternal destination is with God in a new heaven and a new earth. Whether that kingdom begins in a thousand year reign on this earth before it's redeemed, or it's 
just God's going to immediately initiate that. We know that we're going to be living eternally in God's kingdom where he will rule and he will be with us on earth. And what I want us to see is what that kingdom will look like. And so I'm going to walk us through seven promises of scripture of things that we are guaranteed to experience in eternal life with God and his kingdom. Are you ready? Going to be seven scriptures, seven points. Get ready to take some notes. But I hope this gets you excited about heaven. That we're not going to be worried about, well, I'm not married yet. Or I haven't finished college yet. Or I haven't got to Europe yet. Or I haven't done whatever yet. Heaven is going to be blowing our minds about how wonderful it is. All right, so let's go. Here's the first thing. We will have glorified bodies in God's kingdom. We'll have glorified bodies. Just like Jesus had a glorified body, scripture says he is the first fruits, he's the first to be resurrected, that we too are gonna have glorified bodies in heaven. Look at what scripture says, Isaiah, uh, Philippians 3.21. He's talking about just prior to this that we are citizens of heaven because of what Jesus has done. And then what does Jesus do for us? So Jesus, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will do what? He will transform our lowly bodies, that's what we have now, so that they will be like his glorious body. In other words, we're not going to be taking this broken, sinful, you know, high blood pressure, diabetic body to heaven. We're going to have glorified new bodies in God's kingdom. That just like Jesus had a new body, he was resurrected. And it's not exactly the same because Jesus' body wasn't marred by sin. He wasn't born into sin the way we're born into sin. But he is the first fruits and we're going to get glorified bodies in a similar way that Jesus had a glorified body. And I look at the way Jesus lived his life after the resurrection. Y'all, it's pretty amazing. Right? Like he's walking with some guys to Emmaus and then in the blink of an eye, he's with his disciples his disciples are hanging out in a locked up room and all of a sudden he's walking through walls and walking through doors. Like, that's pretty awesome. And I think about what our glorified bodies are gonna look like. Not just that we're not gonna be sick anymore and we're not gonna be slowly aging and moving toward death anymore, but there's gonna be something new to experience that we don't have in our bodies today. I think about my kids. My kids love to play hide and go seek. Y'all, we're gonna have some epic games of hide and go seek when you can walk through doors and you can transport from one place to another. Like that's what we have to look forward to in God's kingdom. Second point we see in scripture is we will enjoy work in God's kingdom. This is something we need to hold on to. We need to realize is that work was a part of God's creation before sin came into the world. Before sin came and broke everything and messed up everything and, and we were cast out of the garden, God said, I want you to tend to the garden. I want you to oversee it and join with me in what I'm doing in the world. And that work is going to carry on without sin, without the frustration, without the, the weariness in the new heavens and the new earth and God's kingdom. Take a look, Isaiah 65 verse 17. See, I will create new heavens and a new earth. So we know from right off the bat, we're talking about our eternal life with God here. It's not earth here. It's the new heaven and new earth. The former things will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind. But be glad and rejoice forever in what will, I will create. For I will create Jerusalem to be a delight and its people a joy. 
I'll rejoice over Jerusalem and take delight in my people. The sound of weeping and crying will be heard in it no more. Never again will there be in it an infant who lives but a few days or an old man who does not live out his years. The one who dies at a hundred will be thought a mere child. The one who fails to reach a hundred will be considered accursed. They will build houses and dwell in them. They will plant vineyards and eat their fruit. No longer will they build houses and others live in them or plant and others eat. For as the days of a tree, so will be the days of my people. My chosen ones will long enjoy the work of their hands. All right, so it starts off with some promises just in general about this new heaven and new earth. Uh, it talks about that will be no more sickness. There's no more death. There, there's no more uh, aging. There's no more heartache, but it'll be delight and joy. And God's going to bring a new Jerusalem and, and Israel will be delighted in. And, and other scriptures tell us that the world will come to worship God in this new Jerusalem. As a matter of fact, you know, most of the descriptions that church culture uses to describe heaven, like the golden streets and gates of pearl and things like that, it's describing the new Jerusalem in God's new creation. But there's more to that. He says that we'll get to build houses and live in them, that we'll get to plant gardens and enjoy the fruit that we will continue to work and enjoy the work of our hands without frustration, without challenge, without struggling, without weariness, without getting tired, that the land is just going to bear fruit and that, that we're going to be able to work and create. Revelation tells us that we're going to sing a new song. Where do you think that new song comes from? Right? We're going to have new art and new music and new writings and all kinds of new uh, creations that we get to join with God and, and bringing things and continuing to work, that there's not going to be any more like, I just got to get through the week or I'm dreading Monday or I can't wait till I retire. That's not going to exist anymore because we're going to have great enjoyment in what we do. Now there's one scripture that sometimes gets thrown out where people say, well, we're not going to work anymore. It's Revelation 14, verse 13. And it says that we will rest from our labor. But that word labor, it literally means to toil. And so what the scripture is telling us is we were going to rest from toiling. We're going to rest from getting weary and tired and frustrated and angry. We're going to rest from working hard and not getting what we want out of it. But if you back up, that same chapter to verse 3, that's where it tells us we're going to be singing new songs to the Lord. We're going to continue to write songs and continue to write stories. And we're going to create art and we're going to do new things in God's new creation. Bottom line, y'all, there's not going to be any boredom in heaven. New things for us to do. All right, next point. We will enjoy being with animals in God's kingdom. That scripture is full of descriptions, if you read especially through the Old Testament, and it starts talking about God's kingdom and a reminder from week one of how do you know when it's talking about this new thing that God's creating. If you read especially through Isaiah, Ezekiel, uh, Jeremiah, there are descriptions about God's kingdom, and it starts to describe things that have clearly not yet happened. 
And it says that Israel will be at peace. Uh, there will be no wall. Like, here's a plug. We're going to Israel in March. And one of the things that you're going to see if you go with us to Israel in March is a great big old wall with barbed wire all the way around. Right, there's still a wall there in Israel. This has not yet happened. It talks about like no sickness and, and wonderful things that have not yet happened. This is talking about the new kingdom that God's bringing. And when it talks about that, so much of the time it talks about the animals that we will see and enjoy. Let me give you one of those examples. Isaiah chapter 11, verse 6. The wolf will live with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat and the calf and the lion and the yearling together. And a little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear. The young will lie down with, together. And the lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the cobra's den and the young child will put its hand into the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Right? Lions and tigers and bears, oh my. All over the place. But here's what I want us to see. Is that in this new kingdom of God, this eternal life with God that we get to look forward to, there will be no violence and no fear. We will not fear animals that today, we, if we walk into their area, that we're going to probably be eaten by them. And they will not fear us that we will harm them. And we'll get to walk up and embrace. Y'all, I can't wait for the day that I get to walk up and wrap my arms around a lion and just put a great big old bear hug on it and just grab its mane and just look at it because that's what we get to experience in God's new world. The lion and the ox, the, the lamb, the bear, all together without fear of harm or danger. Now, there's one question I, I could not get through today without just quickly addressing this because we've had about a half dozen questions come in already. What happens to my pet when I get to heaven? I understand we got all kinds of feels about our pets. Now, I love my dog. I really do. And we're going to talk more in depth about this question on the Q&A Sunday. But let me just say this. What Scripture is very clear on, I don't know about your pet, but what Scripture is very clear on, there's going to be animals in heaven. And we're going to have an amazing relationship with them. And we're going to enjoy them, and they're going to enjoy us. And we'll dive more into that question on the 30th. So that's just a teaser for you to come back. All right. We will enjoy beautiful nature in God's kingdom. Just like we're going to enjoy the animals, we're going to enjoy God's amazingly beautiful, awe-inspiring nature in this eternal life with God. And we're, not, we're not just going to be floating on clouds. But just like we have a galaxy to see and mountains and rivers to see and forests to see and deserts to see and beaches and mountains and all those wonderful things, we're going to see some incredibly beautiful, awe-inspiring nature in our eternal life with God. Look at what Ezekiel tells us. I will place over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he will tend them. He will tend them and be their shepherd. And a quick little note here as you're reading through the Old Testament. Anytime you see this description, it's going to talk about a prince. It's going to talk about David ruling. Well, David has already died by this point. He's been long dead. And Ezekiel is bringing him back to the picture because he's talking about life after this earth. There's a, a new heaven, a new earth, a new creation. 
Revelation picks up on this as well. Talks about David coming to ruling. When you see that appearance of David after David has died, this is a, a clue for us. We're talking about heaven and the new creation. Just, just a, a hint for us as we read scripture. All right, servant David, he will tend them. He will tend them and be their shepherd. I, the Lord, will be their God. And my servant David will be prince among them. I, the Lord, have spoken. I will make a covenant of peace with them and rid the land of savage beasts so that they may live in the wilderness. There's a clue for us. Live in the wilderness and sleep in the forest in safety. I will make them and the places surrounding my hill a blessing. I'll send down showers in season. So we're going to have seasons. We're going to have uh, rain. There will be showers of blessing. The trees will yield their fruit and the ground will yield its crops. The people will be secure in their land. They will know that I am the Lord when I break the bars of their yoke and rescue them from the hands of those who enslave them. They will no longer be plundered by the nations, nor will wild animals devour them. They will live in safety and no one will make them afraid. I'll provide for them a land renowned for its crops, and they will no longer be victims of famine in the land or bear the scorn of the nations, Ezekiel 34. I mean, look at the descriptions here. Wilderness and forest and crops, and we'll be able to enjoy this without fear of, of animals or any other nation or any kind of violence. That we'll just be able to wander out and enjoy the adventure of exploring what God has given us in all its beauty, in all its splendor. The wilderness, the forest, the land. What an amazing gift that will be. And then finally, our, our next, food will be incredible in God's kingdom. Oh, I can't wait for this, right? Like food is going to be unbelievably satisfying in heaven. Let's look at what scripture has to say. On this mountain, the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich food for all peoples, a banquet of aged wine, the best of meats and the finest of wines. On this mountain, he will destroy the shroud that enfolds all peoples, the sheet that covers all nations. He will swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away the tears from all faces. He will remove his people's disgrace from all the earth. The Lord has spoken, Isaiah 25, 6 through 8. The finest of wines, the finest of meats, this great banquet that the Lord is preparing for us. That we have some amazing, satisfying food that we're going to enjoy in God's kingdom for eternity with him. Now, we were joking earlier, there's no gluten-free in God's new creation. Uh, there, there's nothing that's going to create like my blood sugar to spike or my blood pressure to go up. It's not going to go to your thighs. Like it's, you're going to enjoy all that God has for us in this new creation, not just for necessity that we survive because our life will be found in Christ at that moment. And we'll be able to eat from the tree of life in Jerusalem that bears fruit in season. It'll be a new fruit every month, the book of Revelation tells us. And that we're not going to have to have food just to survive. We're going to have food for enjoyment. But here's the other side of it, is that we're going to get to approach food not as a comfort or an idol, the way we so often do today as we're broken by sin, but we'll be able to receive it for the gift that it is from God. 
You're not going to be eating your feelings anymore. There's not going to be shame eating or binging or, or withholding. You're not going to have gluttony in this place. But just in the full gift that God has for us, finding our life in him, not in what he gives, but in him, we're going to be able to enjoy it for the gift that it is. Oh, I can't wait to enjoy that with God in his new creation. All right. And then we will have perfect relationships in God's kingdom. Perfect relationships. This is a question we get all the time. Am I going to know my loved ones in heaven? Am I going to remember the life that we had together? Well, let's look at what Paul says. He's writing a letter to the uh, church in Thessalonica. And he encourages them with this. He says, but brothers and sisters, when we were orphaned by being separated from you for a short time, in person, not in thought though, I, I was been thinking about you, I've been praying for you. But out of our intense longing, we made every effort to see you. For we wanted to come to you. Certainly I, Paul, did again and again. I wanted to come see you. I craved to come see you, but what? But Satan blocked our way. For what is our hope? our joy, or the crown in which we will glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus when he comes. Is it not you? Indeed, you are our glory and our joy. First Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 17 through 20. Let me explain what Paul's talking about here. Paul has a clear expectation that at the end of his life, he is going to stand before Jesus. He will be judged for his faithfulness and he will be rewarded for his service to God's kingdom. And his reward tells us he will receive a crown from God to him for the good things that he's done by the work of the Holy Spirit. And Paul says, when I get to heaven and I get that crown, when I get that reward, what is it going to be? Is it not you? In other words, what Paul is saying is when I get to heaven and I'm rewarded for my ministry, for, for seeking after God, I'm going to look around me and I'm going to see your face and I'm going to realize that you are my reward. That in doing what I did to share the gospel with you is that God is going to bring me into his kingdom with great reward because of our relationship. I, I fully believe what Paul is saying is I'm going to see your face and I'm going to know exactly who you are. And I'm going to give thanks for our shared life together. And I'm going to remember how God moved in our presence. And when we get to heaven, we're going to remember those people that we love, that we come into God's kingdom with. And we're going to know each other and we're going to give thanks for our shared life together. And most of all, for the way God moved in our life together. And we're going to praise God together because of all the wonderful things he has done and is doing and will do. That's what we have looked forward to look forward to. And those relationships from that moment on, there will be no more sin, no more jealousy, no more anger, no more selfishness, no, no more you know, self-righteousness. We will fully know and fully be known. We will embrace one another in the way that God has designed for us to do. And there's so much more we could say about that, the, the place of marriage and this earth and what happens then. And, and we can talk about that. But I just want you to know that in the presence of God in eternity, we will have perfect, whole, satisfying, unbroken, vulnerable, loving relationships with each other. And then finally, 
We will be with God and God's kingdom. This is the best of all, that we will come into an eternity with no more mediator, no more boundaries, no more separation, but fully in the presence of God. Revelation talks about this. Revelation 22, verses one through five. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the lamb, down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. This is in the holy city of Jerusalem in the new creation. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the lamb will be in the city and his servants will serve him. They will see his face. Just pause there for a second. From Genesis to Revelation chapter 22, we are told, you cannot see my face and live. There's a separation between the holiness of God and the mortality of human beings. But in his new creation, he says, you will see my face and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun for the Lord God will give them light and they will reign forever and ever. We will be fully in the presence of God. Now, I don't know about you. Well, actually I do, because we're human. Our imagination is not big enough to come even close to having a concept of what this will be like. That the creator who stands above time and space and matter and the whole shebang, The God who's above all those things will dwell with us. That the incarnation of Jesus Christ was just a start. And we will be in the presence of God, our creator, fully satisfied in his presence, that he will light our our world, that love will emanate from him, joy will emanate from him, peace will emanate from him. And we're not lacking anything. There's nobody getting to that point and saying, man, I wish I would have gone to Europe before I got here. Now we will be fully satisfied in his presence with him. And what I want for us, what I want for me, in the midst of all the frustrations and worries and stressors and all the things that we walk through day after day with work, school, family, church, community, finances, relationships, health, and all the stuff. As I want us to have a focus on heaven. I want us to know that this is, is small in, the, in the, the call to live our lives as citizens of heaven, to live our eyes focused on things above, not things here. God cares about it intimately, but he cares about us, that he will carry us through it to something greater. That our home is not here, but it is what God is preparing for us. And and so what does that mean for us? Well, it, it may mean for some of us in this room or somebody watching online that you really need to take this seriously. That as we talked about in week one, heaven and hell are real. And this is not to scare anybody. I don't believe that scare tactics brings anybody to Jesus. Scripture tells us it's by his kindness 
and his love and compassion that we're drawn to him. But I want you to take seriously the home of heaven that God has waiting for those who put their faith and trust in him, not by your, belief, your behavior, not by being a good person or your perfect attendance, but by surrender by faith to Jesus Christ, trusting in him. We need to take that seriously and, and realize that I can't do anything to earn that, but I've got to receive it by faith. It may mean for some of us that what we need to do is we're carrying some junk in our life. Maybe it's some grief or some stress or some worry or trying to control things. And we need to surrender that and lay it down because that is not what we're meant to carry. We are meant to have our eyes on the next life, not just what's happening here. It may be for some of us that we are unwilling to let go of some sin in our life because it feels good now and you're forfeiting what will be forever then. And God is calling you to lay it down and walk away to confess it and repent it from it and come back to him. And trust and believe he is not holding out on you. He's not a killjoy. He's not trying to keep you from having fun. He's trying to pull you towards something greater. Or it may just be that, you know, we need to to come back to a posture of praise. I'll just confess to you, probably 99% of my prayer life is God, please do this. God, please do that. God, help me here. God, do that for them. God, heal them. God, work for that. God, fix that situation. God, where are you? You're late. I need you to show up. God, will you please do this? God, 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 please, 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 please. When all of that stuff really in God's economy is already dealt with in the promise of heaven. And what would it look like if 99% of my prayer life was praise? God, thank you for the answer that you've already given for what we have in you. How might that reorient my life, my worries, my thinking, my feeling, my relationships? And so maybe for many of us, we just need to come back to that posture of praise. So here's what I want to do. If you'll stand, we're going to close out and we're going to sing one more time. And as we do each and every week, these prayer rails are available for you. You can come and pray about any of those things or anything going on in your life. We've got people who'd love to pray with you. If you'd like that, just wave us on over. But as we go into this time and invite the Holy Spirit to work, let me just pray for all of us. Let's pray. God, thank you for the promise of heaven for these things that we have to look forward to. Father, I pray that you would forgive us for worshiping your creation instead of you and being so fixated on what we think we have now instead of the promise of what we will have then. Lord, I pray that you would pull each of us to get into your word and find for ourselves the promises you have for us. Lord, don't let anybody just take my word for it. God, help them to be drawn to and your Holy Spirit speak to them through your word. And give us a wild, holy anticipation for eternal life with you. Not driven by fear or anxiety or doubt, but by hope, expectation, and faith. So God, I pray right now, Holy Spirit, come into this place manifest your presence and work and move and stir and challenge and encourage 
speak truth to us, draw the, those who are, have been trying to do it on their own to you to surrender. God, draw those who are carrying weights to lay them down. God, draw those who are, have not let go of a sin to repent and confess and move toward you to receive forgiveness and, and new life. And God, draw us to a posture of praise for the answers you've already given. We praise you, God, for how good you are and what you've done and what you will do. So come, Lord, and work and move in us right now. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.